I love one of the things about this time of year is something like that comes around, and we've been doing it now for quite a while, and it does not get old. It's, uh, it's just a great, great privilege for us to be able to do it. When I had great, uh, the baptisms this morning, uh, Terry and Mark, you know, I, I was at the football game yesterday, uh, privilege, uh, thankful for that opportunity, and you know, but I, you know, I got to, I got to say, you know, as much as it's an, quite an amazing deal to be in eighty-five thousand, you know, plus people in a stadium like that when the game's going in the right direction and everybody's as loud as loud can be and just, you know, totally in it. And but you know what? I think about that and then I compare what what we saw this morning with those baptisms, and I just my mind just goes uh, in imagining what's happening in heaven the cheering that's taking place, and I just go, you know, nothing, and nothing. You'd be in a stadium, nothing compared to being able to be in heaven. And, I mean, someday, think of, think of you know, how loud it's going to be. The celebration's going to take place. Uh, it, yeah, so a little perspective on that. Well, today, we, we come to the most famous part of the most famous sermon that's ever been given by anybody, and the most famous part of that is the Lord's Prayer. And it's likely that many of us here today have our own reason for why this prayer has been meaningful in our lives. For example, you might have, you might have grown up in a church where the Lord's Prayer was part of your worship every Sunday. Just uh, an integral part of that worship was very meaningful for you. And you look back on it and you're, you're glad, glad for it. Or it might be that, that at some point in your life you can look back and you prayed that prayer all by yourself, and you may have done it more than once. And it, it, it was times in your life when you just were really reaching out and drawing out to, you know, reaching out to God for what you needed God to do in your own life. Rob, Rob mentioned that to me this last week, that uh, when he was in college, he was going through a period of time of his faith was really being challenged. He wasn't really walking and, and, you know, in his relationship with God, with Christ. And he had a good friend who said, you know, no matter what you're going through in life, one of the things that might just be a stable thing for you is, is to just simply say the Lord's Prayer every day. And Rob said he actually did that for a while. It was very, very important for him. Or it might be that, yeah, you did grow up in a church where the Lord's Prayer was said every, every Sunday, but for you it was like, the repetition, for some reason, just kind of numbed your brain to it. You, did, you really were not thinking about what was being said. It never really connected with you. That might, that might be your deal. Or it might be you're here today and, and you would say, Steve, I've, uh, uh, if you look at this Lord's Prayer today, I don't even know what it is. I don't know where it is. I've, I've never heard it my whole life. And so what we're going to talk about this morning might be a bit intriguing for you. There might be some questions that you have. That, that would be able to answer, you know. Wherever, wherever, you know, whatever your experience has been with the Lord's Prayer, I think what we're, gonna, we're all going to see today is how valuable it is for all of our lives. I, I, because really, Jesus is dealing with one of the most important things we can do in life. And I, I would almost say it's probably the most amazing thing we can do. I mean, when you think about the fact that you and I can have this conversation, we, we can connect with the creator of this this universe. I, you know, I, I might be missing something, but honestly, I cannot think of anything more amazing than to be able to talk with the God who created this universe and know that this God is actually hearing my prayer, that I'm not just talking, you know, into the air, but God, God's really listening. I, 
To me, that's amazing. Now, if you've, uh, if you've ever uh, looked at the Lord's Prayer, read it, I think uh, you would not be surprised with me saying it. It doesn't take long to dig into it to realize that we could easily spend weeks in this prayer. I mean, a whole sermon series are done just on, on those few verses, the Lord's Prayer. In fact, throughout the history of the church, the Lord's Prayer has been one of the key parts of Scripture that, that has been taught to new believers to help them understand what the Christian faith is all about. I, grew, I, I, I experienced that. The catechism class is what we call it in our church. And I know three main parts, Apostles' Creed, uh, the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments were uh, key parts of the catechism that I, I went through. And the reason for this with the Lord's Prayer is it not only teaches us how to pray, but it also gives to us profound truth about God and, and mankind and good and evil. And it could just go on and on with all the things that the Lord's Prayer teaches us. So it, it, would, it would be very helpful for us to go through this prayer slowly. And, and take some time with it. And I've done this, where I've spent multiple Sundays digging into all of what the Lord's Prayer teaches us. But sometimes it can be equally helpful to take a, a top-level view. In the sense that uh, stand back and look at the whole prayer, and not only the, the prayer itself, but look at the context. What, what, what Jesus Christ said before the prayer and what he said after the prayer that all had, had a connection with the prayer. And so that can be equally helpful to do that in one sermon, which is what we're going to do today. Because what it does is it helps us grasp the larger part of, of what Jesus wants us to understand through this through this prayer. So that's what we're going to do. One more thing I want to say before we dig into it. I, and I think I need to say it up front, okay? Prayer is one of my greatest challenges in life. Here I am, I'm 61 years old, and sometimes I wonder if I've even grown at all in this thing of prayer. I mean, I, I feel like there's so much more to learn about prayer. So without question, the subject of prayer conjures up so many things in our minds. For some of us, it's an immediate guilt trip because we know that we, we don't pray enough. For some of us, there's a kind of a, a nine dot doubt that eats away at our souls because we, we wonder, does prayer really make a difference? Does it really do any good? And for others of us, it, it almost creates a distance between ourselves and God rather than intimacy, because of, of whatever, disappointment we've had, frustration we've had, misunderstanding we've had, or, or whatever. And then, there are those of us for which prayer has been an increasing discipline and delight. Wherever we're at this morning, I think we'd all agree that we have, we have much to, to learn and to unlearn and to relearn about prayer. And the truth is, I might just add this, all of us pray at some point in our life. It's like we're wired for it, you know. We, we run into something desperate in our life, and if we've never prayed before, we, we pray, okay. You know, I've, 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 I've heard it said sometimes people are concerned that, you know, about their, you know, being able to pray in school. And I always say, you know what, as long as there are tests in school, there's going to be prayer, all right. So, 
All right, so let, 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 let's dig into this, okay? There, there's two things I'd like us to see in what Jesus taught, uh, taught us about prayer in the context of it. First of all, we're going to look at the foundation for prayer, what it is that we've got to build our prayer on, and that's what he talks about before and after prayer. And then, and then we're going to look at the content, the substance of the prayer itself. So let's, let's begin with the foundation. There's three things that we're going to look at, all right? We're going to look at the thing of, being authentic, the thing of privacy, and the thing of trusting God. So first of all, authenticity. Verse 5, Jesus begins by saying this. He said, when you pray, do not, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand praying in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Now, we, we, we all know what, what makes somebody a hypocrite, right? They, they fake it. They pretend to be something they're not really, you know. Uh, people, if, if you're living this way, what people see is what, not what you really are. And, and the very opposite of hypocrisy is being, is being authentic, okay, being real with we are, who we are in our relationship with other people. And then when we bring it into our prayer life, it's us being real with God. It's us being authentic with God, which if you think about it, only makes sense because God knows the real you anyway, right? God, God knows what we are. David was right on the mark when he wrote this about himself in Psalm 139. What he said about himself is true for all of us. He said, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know me, God. You know, when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my, and my, my lying down. God, you're familiar with all my ways. And then he said this, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, oh God. The truth is, the truth is God knows us better than we know ourselves, right? And for at least two reasons, this is so freeing. First of all, it means that you and I, we don't have to impress God with who we are. You know? I mean, we can be totally real with God. And, and, and because, the, because the truth is, God knowing us inside out has never stopped God from loving us. Never. Never stopped God from loving us. Second, second. We don't have to impress God with how well we pray. And, and if we don't have to impress God, then we certainly don't have to impress each other, Right? It completely takes away that intimidation factor. We, we can talk with God in prayer like we talk in any normal conversation. This is so absolutely freeing, you know. And, and, and as I thought about this, I, thought, I think, you know, sometimes I think we guys have the hardest time with this one. Okay, it's like we're wired to impress. I don't know if it's that, you know, that sports competition kind of thing in us or or whatever, but you get, a, you get us guys in a group where, where people are praying out loud, and, and, and it's like we have this internal conversation with ourselves. We, we hear someone else pray, and it's like the words just flow out of their mouth. They're so, it, it just seems like they're, they're so smooth, and we say to ourselves when we hear that, we go, I'm not praying. No way. You know, I'm not opening my mouth. You know, the, the, when this happens, men and women... Remember this, God's not impressed with how well we say what we say. God's impressed with how genuine we are, how real we are in our prayer. And see, so you see, the goal of prayer is not to get good at praying, okay? The goal of prayer 
It's to live all of your life and speak all of your words, prayer included, in the, in the joyful awareness of the presence of God. So the first thing Jesus points us to as a foundation for prayer is authenticity. But, but you know, i I got to tell you this. I heard this Monday evening with a group of guys who got together to pray for the election, okay? I not only, I not only really uh, uh, appreciated the invitation they gave me to join them, but I got to tell you this, I was absolutely blessed by how genuinely these men prayed. They simply spoke from their hearts. They weren't out to impress God. They just said it. They just said it. The second thing Jesus points us to is privacy. Verse 6. He made this statement. He said, when you pray, uh, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Now, now, when Jesus said this, he gave it as an antidote to this whole thing of, uh, this very hypocritical thing of wanting to impress other people, what some of these guys were doing back then. And they, they, we talked about it last Sunday. They prayed to be seen so that everyone who, who saw them would think that they were like these spiritual giants, super saints. And so we might say that Jesus was giving this spiritual discipline for any one of us who, if we're, if we're tempted by this wrong motivation to, prayer, to pray, and that is to impress other people. So he's saying, here's a discipline so you'll get over this thing. Pray in private. Pray Pray enough where nobody's going to be seeing you pray, okay? Private prayer also is foundational because it builds your own commitment to pray, all right? You see, it's one thing that is something when we know someone else is looking over our shoulder to make sure we do it. It's a whole other thing to, to do it out of our own internal motivation to do it because we're convinced it's important to do and, and, we, and we want to do it. Now, I mentioned before that uh, I've been uh, working out at uh, Lifetime Fitness, been exercising, and, uh, and I, I'm doing it at least twice a week with another guy in the church but sometimes he's out of town and like uh, Becky and I are going out of town tomorrow. So I'm going to go there this afternoon all by myself. Because Kyle's gone right now out of town. And, and, and so one, one of the things that, that we do when we do this is, and I absolutely hate it, um, is we, we, we do pull-ups. One guy does pull-ups while the other guy does push-ups. I may have told you about this before. Okay? And so we do three sets of that. And so one guy does 25 pull-ups and the other guy's doing push-ups. And then we switch, okay? And we do it again, the reverse. And we do that three different times. And I, I can tell you, I, you know, I feel like I'm going to absolutely throw up when, when we're doing it. And, it's, and we laugh at each other. And it's kind of fun when we're doing it together because we can laugh at each other and, and compete with each other and, and, and that kind of thing. But when I go there this afternoon, I'm going to be all by myself. And I'm not going to have Kyle looking over my shoulder. And the only reason I'm going to do that by myself is because I believe it's important to do. Okay, that's, that's why it's good to pray in private. Okay, because it really builds your commitment to what you know is important. The other thing about private prayer is the opportunity it gives you to have your own place to pray where you're alone. You see, 
You have that place to pray alone, and you pray there enough. It helps you focus. It, it helps you not be distracted. It's like everything in you knows what you're about to do because it's so used to being there. That's why when I have my own personal prayer time and, and, and Bible study in the morning before I come to the office and, and do, my, do my job, do my work, I, I, I always do it at the same place because it, it, what it does, it creates that readiness factor in my psyche. Oh, I know why I'm here. Okay? I'm here to pray. The third thing that prayer points us to as a foundation for prayer, and this might be the most important one, is trusting God. Jesus said this in verse 7. He said, and, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. You see, the idea here for those who did this is that the intensity of our prayer, how loud we pray and how long we pray is somehow, somehow going to, in some inexplicable way, is going to control the outcome of what God does. And see, it, 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 the idea is that it somehow forces God's hand to, for, for God to do what we want God to do. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like this. It's like God owes us if we play, pray loud enough and long enough. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? To which Jesus says this in verse 8. <laughs> one of my favorite statements here. He said, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Isn't that great? Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Powerful. Powerful statement here about God. And, and, and if you and I believe it, it makes all the difference in how we pray. It, you know, this is what it does. It frees you from trying to force God's hand to instead trust God's heart. Okay? Not force God's hand, but trust God's heart. Now, you know, this should be an easy one for us to understand as parents. If you're a parent, you know, you have children. And, I mean, just think of how much you love your son or your daughter or your sons or daughters. I mean, you just do anything for them. You love them so much. And so, man, just, you know, think about that and then think about God the Father loving us. And how much more does he love us? And how much more perfect is, he, is his love? And, and so when we think about that, and we know what we would do for our parents as children, realize, man, we got every reason to trust God because God loves us even more. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. And it's foundational for a strong life for prayer. It just makes all the difference on how you pray. If you're here long enough, and the joke and the staff is, Steve, you always try to find a spot to bring this in. You've been here long enough, you know that the 8th chapter of Romans is my absolute favorite uh, chapter in the Bible. I just love it. Uh, because it talks about the full extent of God's love for each one of us. And you know what? There, there isn't a verse in that 8th chapter that doesn't fire me up with joy and, and gratitude and passion for God. It's, it, it, it's one of those chapters in the Bible where every verse just seems to get better than the next. They just keep piling on top of each other. All this good stuff describing God's love for each one of us. And so you're coming to the end of the chapter and, and Paul wrote this. He said, what then should we say in response to this? It's like everything I've written in the first eight chapters, okay? And he says, it's this. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? I'll tell you what, you read that, 
and you believe it, and it goes a long way to giving you confidence in your prayer. So foundation, authenticity, privacy, and trust, okay? Jesus then gets into the prayer itself. He tells us what to include in the prayer, the content or the substance. And since the Lord's Prayer is a paradigm for all prayer, what I'd like us to do this morning, I'm not going to dig in deep, what I'd like us to do is just see the three main things that Jesus points us to in prayer. First one is adoring, second one is accepting, the third one is asking. So first of all, adoring God for who God is. He said this in, in verse 9, this is the beginning of the prayer, he said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father. God is someone who loves you as your heavenly Father. God is someone you can love. God is someone you can talk to and who talks back to you through his word and through his Holy Spirit. I mean, before you even start praying, just spend some time thinking about that. Let it sink in. And then respond back to God with that and just say, God, it's just, it's incredible. It's amazing. You're the creator of this universe, but you call yourself my father. You're my father. You love me, God. I can have this intimate relationship with you. And, and then Jesus said, our father in heaven. God, you're infinite. God, you're transcendent. God, God, you're majestic. God, oh God, you're just God, you know. And, and, and then our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Oh, God, you're holy. God, you're pure. You're righteous. There's nothing wrong in you. I mean, I mean, see, I mean, you can understand why, can't you? Why adoration is really the main thing that you and I should have in our prayer and why it should be right up front. I mean, there's other things, definitely, but it's the main thing. First of all, first of all, because it honors God. And then I'd even say this, I'd even say this, it blesses God. For us to say this. I mean we can understand. We're a parent. I um, For some reason. Um, Thursday I woke up. at Thursday morning I woke up at 4.30. I think I'm still getting used to the time change. You know. And, and uh, so I went downstairs. I thought I'm not going to go back to sleep. So I just got up and went downstairs. Um, uh, well, just went downstairs, and, and anyway, I, I, sometimes I do this, I don't know, bad habit, I check my phone, see if I had any texts, and uh, stupid, isn't that, like 4.30 in the morning, so anyway, but boy, was it a God deal, because our daughter Nikki had just sent me a text after midnight the night before, and in that text, she just says stuff that a dad would love to hear, you know, some really good st stuff about me. Really kind, sweet stuff. And then, then, let me preface it with this. Do you, do you remember, if you're an older guy like me or an older woman, okay? Do you remember when your kids were real little? And those of you who are young parents, you know, you're experiencing it right now. That when your kids say daddy to you or mommy, oh, nothing better than hearing your child say daddy or mommy. And then you know what happens? They go through a period of years, they don't say daddy anymore or mommy anymore, they'll say like, dad, you know, mom, you know, mother, father, you know, that, you know, different times, depending on the circumstances of what's going on, okay? But you know what, you know what, you know what? I open up that text, and Nikki said that nice stuff, and then you know what she said to me? She said, love you, daddy. 
It's like, I'm standing down there, and there's tears. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I want to go hug my daughter, you know. It's like, uh, I mean, man, if that does that to me, you better believe it does it to God. For us to, to, us to reach out to God and say, Daddy. In fact, in that same chapter in Romans, we're told that one of the results of the Holy Spirit in us is that we're able to call out to God and say, Abba, Father, which is basically saying, Daddy, Father. You know, that blesses God. Hey. And it changes us. I think praise, praising God is very practical because the more we're aware of who God is, the more it changes who we are. That's why I, I love to read one psalm every day because it keeps helping me remember who God is. So, okay, now, um, where am I? Okay, yeah, so first of all, adoring God for who God is, and then secondly, accepting God as God. So verse 9 and, and 10, verse 9 and verse 10, Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in praying this, you're expressing your desire for God to be God of your life, for God to be honored through you, for God's will to be done through your life. And you know what? When you say to God, your will be done, you know what you're saying? You're saying at least this, okay? You're saying, Lord, I will obey everything in your word, even though I don't like it all. And you're saying, Lord, I'll accept everything you send into my life, even though I don't understand it all. Why would we ever say that? Because you know why? You and I need deep rest for our souls. Do, do you all know what REM sleep is? R-E-M, rapid eye movement sleep is? It's a, it's a deep sleep a couple hours each night that you and I have got to have if we're going to wake up refreshed. And so I made a comparison there. You see, praying to God, your will be done, that's the REM of the soul. And there's nothing better than laying down the burden of thinking that you know what's best. There's, there's nothing more that you and I need than this. So, so when you pray, one of the things you want to do is get in touch with who you really are. You know? You want to recognize your own limits as a human being. You, you're laying down that terrible burden of thinking that you know better than God. And you want to do this because that's the only way to get the deep rest that every one of us need. And then we can also think of praying this prayer, praying a prayer for, for God to be God of this earth. You know, you're, you're expressing your, your desire for God to be honored among all men. You're praying for God's kingdom to be established on this earth. You're praying for God's will to be fulfilled on this earth in the same way that it's fulfilled in heaven. Karl Barth, a great theologian, said this, he said, when you pray this, you're rebelling against the disorder of the world. You're not accepting the way things are. You're saying, you're, you're asking God to work through you to bring, to make this world a better place, to bring God's righteousness and God's truth and God's love into the world in which, in which you live. That's big stuff to be praying you're asking God to work through you to, to bring, you know, uh, his righteousness, his truth. 
And that's really, you know, I'd say second in first things first when it comes to prayer, adoration being number one. So first of all, adoring God for who God is. Second, accepting God as God. And then, th then there's the third part, and, which is usually the part we do first, right? Asking God to meet our needs. So verse 11, verse 12, he said, we can pray this. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Give us today our daily bread. That's the basics of, of life, right? Everything. Forgive us our debts. We need God's mercy and God's forgiveness. We, you and I need to keep short accounts with God, confessing our sin. Lead us not into temptation. We, we all have challenges in this world, and we need God's strength. I, I need God's strength to face my challenges. I need God's mercy to deal with my, my failures, and I need help, God's help to, to make ends meet. And you know what? We look at all three, and we realize that God is giving us permission to bring absolutely everything to him in prayer. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I forget sometimes when it comes to what matters most in life. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, you know, gifted enough to be what I need to be and do what I need to do. And when I forget this and I don't pray, it just doesn't work very well. Anybody else ever found that out? So, see, I'm so thankful for what Jesus encouraged us to do. After he gave us this prayer, at the end of the sermon, in chapter 7, wonderful thing, he said this, Ask, uh, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. You know what he's doing here for us? He's giving us permission to keep on, keep on, keep on praying the same thing, not only for weeks or months, but even years, to just keep on praying and, and, and keep on being bold with this thing of asking God and knocking and seeking. He's telling us we can do that. And you know why? Because of what he said next. He said this verse 9. He said, here's why. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a steak? And then he said this, If you then, though you are evil, though you're sinners, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Isn't that wonderful? Keep on knocking. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Be bold about it. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, I came to it this week, was about a king named Hezekiah. And he was king over God's people in Judah. And he got this letter from another king, the king of Assyria. Sennacherib was his name. Assyria was like the empire back then. And Judah was just teeny compared to it. And he gets this letter from this king, Sennacherib, who, who says to him, I'm going to wipe you out. I'm going to wipe your nation out. But I tell you what, if you capitulate to me, I'll, I'll let you live. You're not going to be able to worship your God anymore. and You're not going to be free anymore. But, I, but I'll let you live. And, and, I, and, and, and you know what? Hezekiah knew he was right. He could do everything he was threatening to do. And, and, and I love what Hezekiah did. And you find it in 2 Kings 
chapter 19, we read this. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. And then he went up to the temple of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord. I love this. I mean, it's so absolutely cool. It's like he puts this letter out there and he says, okay, God, you read this. Yeah. And then he prays. And, and, and this is what he prayed. He, I just love it. He said, it says, uh, uh, 1 King 19, verse 15, Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. And again, here's the God part. Oh, Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, the angels, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made, the, you have made heaven and earth. You made the universe. God, give ear, give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open our eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words of Sennacherib has sent to insult the living God. It is true, O Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them. For they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by men's hands. Now, O Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. You know, he prayed that prayer. God answered his prayer. And you know what? You and I can do exactly the same thing. I'm convinced that Almost every one of us, if not all of us here this morning, have our own letter that we could write to God and put it, we could go to God in that private place that we have and we could put that letter in front of God. You know? It might be a job that's overwhelming you right now, you know? You know you're not making it and what you've got is a performance review in your hand that would show it or... Or, it, you know what, it might be a financial deal. You've lost your job and you've got a stack of bills that you could, you could bring before God. Or it might be a relational deal. You have a, a son or a daughter who, is, who right now is far away from God. Or it might, be, it might be your husband or your wife who right now is doing some pretty awful stuff. And you might even have a divorce paper in your hand that you could bring before God. It might be a, a, your health. You, you've got a doctor's report to show God. Or, or it might be the grief that you're experiencing because of the loss of someone you love dearly. And, and what you've held in your hand to show God is you've held a death certificate. Whatever it might be. Something huge or something small. You could bring it before God. You know? And you know, you know why you can do it? You can do it because what Hezekiah said about God in his prayer was true. God is almighty. God is the creator of heaven and earth. God is enthroned in heaven with the angels worshiping him constantly. God is sovereign over all the kingdoms of this earth. So you and I can write our letter and bring it to God in prayer. But you know what else? Even more than what Hezekiah said about God, it's what Jesus Christ said about God. Where he said this, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So you, know what I, you know what I'd encourage you to do today? I, I'd encourage you to go home and write your letter out to God and put it in front of God. And then just keep on praying.
and keep on praying, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. So let me ask you where I started this morning. When you think of everything you do in life, tell me what is more amazing than, than, than the possibility of you and I being able to have conversation with the God of this universe, being able to pray to him, adoring him for who he is, and, and accepting him as God of your life, and then asking him to meet your needs. I mean, what's more amazing than this? I say nothing. Nothing. So let's do it, okay? Let's stand and let's say the Lord's Prayer together, all right? Now, I was talking with one of our son's friends. Yeah, go ahead, Stan. I was talking with Niels, one of Greg's friends from Minneapolis, our son's friends. And, and I was telling him I was going to do this sermon last week, and, and, or this week. And, and, and Niels said to me, and he, he grew up in, in church, and he said, well, what, which, which Lord's Prayer are you? Are you a trespasser Lord's Prayer or a debtor's Lord Prayer or a sinner's Lord Prayer? And I said, well, we're at debtors today, okay? So just so you know, all right? So here, let's, let's pray this together, okay? And let's just pray it with all of our heart, okay? So, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Is that great or what? And why is it true that we can pray that? Because God is God Almighty, King of kings, Lord of lords, the creator of this universe, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And let's go today and this week in that truth that is true indeed. Okay, everybody, we'll see you. Praise God.